Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over a 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Morning, and thank you for joining us on Three Women, Three Ways. We are the show that talks about some stuff that you're not going to hear uh, in general, uh, conversation and talk shows on the radio. Um, we talk about a lot of things like interpersonal violence and uh, uh, violence against women and uh, bullying and uh, all sorts of things that you're not going to hear too much about. And I think, although you've heard a lot about this, you haven't heard about it from our take today. And that is the book Fifty Shades of Grey. Um, it's been in the news for a couple of years now, first because when it came out in book form and now because it's coming out in a movie. And so um, there's a lot of, of uh, conversation going on about it. Some consider it just a dirty book. Others consider it uh, rather liberating and kind of like um, lady porn. Uh, the uh, more supposedly gentle, uh, less blatant uh, kind of pornography that women tend to go for if they go for pornography. Um, But there's another take on this book, and that's mostly what we're going to talk about today. And that is some associations that researchers have found, at least in one study, um, that are rather uh, alarming, I think, Joining us today is the one of the authors of the study, and I guess the um, main initiator of the study. I'm not sure. She'll correct me if I'm wrong on that one. Her name is Amy Bonomi, and she's from the University of Michigan. I grew up in Ohio, so I, Michigan State <laughs> University, I'm sorry. So my, my first thought is <laughs> the, you know, the notorious rivals. <laughs> um, That's but right. it's MSU, Michigan State University, and they did a study on Fifty Shades of Grey. Thank you for joining us, Amy. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. We kind of uh, did this uh, rather quickly um, when we decided to do the show, so um, I'm getting to know Amy at the same time that our listeners are. Um, Amy is a Ph.D., and she is at Michigan State University, and um, she has focused on long-term health effects of domestic violence, dating violence, child abuse, the intimacy dynamics processes that keep violent relationships intact. Now, why are you saying, oh, violent relationships, DV, what does that have to do with a little light beach reading? Well, I think the study is going to reveal some of that uh, reasoning to you. Amy, first of all, let's get the basics out of the way. You've read Fifty Shades of Grey, I assume. I have read Fifty Shades of Grey. Yeah. And just as a person, your initial response to it was, this is silly, this is light reading, this is, you know, what was your initial response as a personal well, research. Good question. The initial response was actually just how troubling the uh, relationship dynamics are between Anastasia and Christian and how much they mimic 
what we see in relationships that involve domestic violence in the real world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We were talking so, a little bit off the air, and I said the thing, because I also read the book, and uh, my basic reaction to it was similar, um, that... Hmm. This is uh, kind of a power dynamic going on here, and it is uh, an alarming one. Uh, even the the um, socioeconomic differences between the the two characters, Anastasia and Christian, uh, they start out way different. You know, she considers herself plain. She's uh, broke. She's uh, blue collar, and she's very naive. Christian is wealthy, an entrepreneur. Uh, uh, extremely good-looking, uh, and and very much in control. So starting off right there, you've got the, the, this kind of interesting dynamic um, that sets up the whole book for, what, for unequal power in that relationship? I mean, absolutely. You hit uh, on it. You really hit on yeah. it in the sense that there are multiple aspects of power imbalance, and, you know, the first one to sort of start out with is that, that economic imbalance. Um and what we, when I was first reading the book um, and teaching a, class, a graduate seminar in intimate partner violence, and as we were looking through the theories on violence, we kept returning to the idea of Fifty Shades and just how common, just how much overlap we saw between the theories and uh, the book. So a team of graduate students and I decided to analyze Fifty Shades of Grey uh, using national definitions of intimate partner violence or domestic violence from the Centers for Disease Control. And so what we really did was a systematic analysis of the book and showed exactly how the relationship um, outlines the interlocking pattern of abuse, like intimidation, stalking, social isolation, uh, humiliation, and sexual violence, really that you would Mm -hmm. see in real-world abusive relationships. So the power dynamic is completely in favor of Christian in the book. Yeah. Yeah, he has all all the things going for him. The money, the resources, the um, the emotional um, distance required to not empathize too much with with the person that he is making subservient. Um, he's got it all going for him, mm-hmm. and yet we are supposed to see him as some sort of sympathetic character. I think when we read the book. Why don't you tell us if you've read the book, or even if you haven't? If you, I think at this point you pretty much know what's going on in the book, even if you haven't read it. Um, we'd like to know what you have to say. Um, I know I've gotten some emails. Uh, one person said she would never read uh, that book. And I've heard people say that because they consider it pornography, but I haven't heard a lot of people saying that they would never read the book or that they didn't like the book based on this connection with uh, that power differential and, and how dangerous that can be. So if you would like to pick a bone with us and tell us, no, it's just light reading, leave it alone, or, yes, I agree with you, and it made me uncomfortable, give us a phone call, 646-378-3... You know what? I have to put on my glasses to read the numbers. Isn't that pathetic, Amy? Um, (laughs) 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 Oh, no, I I, I feel like, you know, I need to have a cane right about now. 646-378-0430. That's 646 Three seven eight zero four three zero. Give us a call. Join our conversation. Let us know what you think. You know, one of the emails I got, Amy said that um, this woman uh, emailed me and said that she wonders how many of the readers of this book are male. 
and we'll get into that question later. Mm-hmm. But meanwhile, um, okay, so we've got this huge power differential. It's couched in this book, which is basically a glorified, dirty version of a romance novel, supposedly. It's also a glamorization of violence against women, really, when you look at the dynamics. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and they make the guy who, you know, this Christian, they do make him a very uh, tragic and and sympathetic figure, Mm -hmm. you know, um, which is kind of interesting because basically he's a perv. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) I'm sorry, but he is, you know, he's a masochist. Mm -hmm. Um, And to to portray that, that person as sympathetic, I mean, wow, you know, I mean, that takes some stretching, I think. Um, okay, so you and your team read the novel. What you know, When your researchers read the novel, what, just again, off the cuff, their first initial reactions were the same, that it was a stunning correlation to what you were seeing and working with? An absolute stunning correlation. In fact, the graduate students were the ones who kept sort of raising the issue of like, wow, this <laughs> yeah. is so much like Fifty Shades of Grey, which is receiving so much press. Um, yeah. And it's so popular. Positive press. Mm-hmm. Positive yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's a little salacious, it's naughty, it's just seen as, as um, you know, some sort of little wild trip, you know, into fantasy land. And um, that's, that's really alarming. Mm-hmm. So tell us uh, what you found in your research. What were the basic conclusions of your research? Of our new study? Yes. Okay, so what we wanted, we we did a follow-up study essentially, um, and we surveyed about 650 women who were between the ages of 18 and 24. And of course, that's a critical developmental period because it's the most common period in life where increased sexual intimacy and love explorations are occurring in the life across the lifespan. So we surveyed them to ask about their. Is this what you want me to cover here? (laughs) Surveyed them about their readership of Fifty Shades of Grey and their exposure to a number of things such as their violence victimization histories and their experiences with eating disorders, binge drinking, and number of sexual practices. And of course, all of those health behaviors have been previously shown in empirical studies to be associated, be associated with violence victimization. So that's why we were concentrating on those. And we would so call those of- self-destructive behaviors or self-harming behaviors? They can be harmful behaviors, absolutely. So eating disorders, binge drinking, and binge drinking we defined as having five or more drinks on a single occasion on six or more days in the last month. So fairly heavy drinking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Right. So, um, okay, so that's your demographic. Where did you find the the people? How did you conduct the survey? Online or... Yes, we were, we did an online survey. We randomly sampled uh, students from Ohio State University, so we uh, used the <laughs> registrar's records <laughs> and randomly uh-huh. sampled using using email addresses. Um, yeah. yeah, and recruited that way. And again, that eighteen to twenty four year old period is really a critical period um, because yeah. development developmentally we know uh, that is when increased sexual intimacy and love is is being explored. 
Well, even aside from that, that's kind of when our, uh, you know, I, I, always, I raise two children who are adults now, and I always think of their brains like jello. You know, they, they, <laughs> they have to actually gel and come together and, and kind of solidify before they're actually thinking like an adult. And during those, that stage in life, I think is when that, that I'm being very technical here. When that jellification process um, takes place, that's when we're setting, you know, the, the we're establishing the um, basis for our behaviors, for our beliefs. I mean, am I wrong on that? No, nope, that's correct. Yeah. yeah. So, so really, you know, it's, yeah. So it's a it's a, a tricky, difficult period to start with, no matter how you look at it. Mm-hmm. And then you throw in something like Fifty Shades of Grey. So that was your demographic. What mm-hmm. else um, did you did you find in uh, when you looked at the responses to your your survey? Sure. So so what we found actually is a pretty troubling pattern, um, but not surprising to us. So what we found first is that compared to women who didn't read the book, those who mm-hmm. had read the first book, at least the first book, but not all three books they were more likely to have a verbally abusive partner and also more likely to have a partner who, who demonstrated stalking tendencies. And what do I mean by stalking tendencies? Uh, sending unwanted text messages, calling on uh, an unwanted basis, showing up in person when the, when the female didn't want uh, the partner to. And they were also more likely, 80% more likely to report fasting for more than 24 hours and using diet aids. And again, those would be indicators of eating disorders. Um, so that was okay. critical. And then really the second piece is when we looked at women who read all three books uh, compared to non-readers, they were 65% more likely to binge drink. So, again, having five or more drinks. Oh, my goodness. Mm -hmm. And six or more days in last month. 65% more likely, yep. And 65% more likely to also use diet aids. (laughs) And then they were also 63% more likely to have five or more intercourse partners in their lifetime. And to make a note about the intercourse partners, there's nothing wrong with having a high number of intercourse partners. Um, however, what prior empirical studies have shown over and over and over again is a strong relationship between having a high number of sexual partners and violence victimization in women. So, um, you know, that's an important correlate. We are all for women enjoying their sexuality, <laughs> enjoying yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey, but at the same time just, you know, be, having a critical eye when they read uh, literature like this. Okay. And being aware of the rest. Well, yeah, it's interesting. When I first heard about Fifty Shades of Grey, I associated it with, you know, the uh, middle class woman looking for a little um, temporary, you know, fantasy from her day to day drudgery. And um, typically, I think that's what we how we associate the romance novel. I know mm-hmm. my mother-in-law, rest in peace, um, loved. She was highly educated. She was a, a professional housewife um, and, and mother, and she loved reading those romance novels. Mm-hmm. Um, gave her a little bit of escape, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, that Fifty Shades of Grey goes goes beyond that, and and it's interesting to me that the readership that you found was were so young. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we deliberately concentrated on that younger group, but but you're absolutely right, and we're we're certainly not suggesting that women not read the book or not be allowed to enjoy the book, but just to have a critical eye that, you know, embedded within that the relationship process in the book are really these very problematic abuse patterns 
that are very similar to what we see in real-world abusive relationships. We had argued in our prior analysis is that the eroticism in the book could have been achieved without the underlying abuse dynamic. So there are certainly a lot of uh, books about BDSM uh, erotica out there. Um, so the, the book could have been crafted a little differently um, to, to avoid those abuse patterns. This book is not unlike what we, what we see in Twilight, which I have not read, but was also a very popular fiction series, also noted for uh, demonstrating really problematic um, patterns of violence against women, and there have been other analyses done of that book. Well, then, then that, those series of books were definitely geared toward that demographic, that exactly. age group. Exactly. Um, and that's interesting uh, to me. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, is, is all this stuff accidental, or is, am I, you know, some sort of paranoid out there saying, so why are they writing these books and series and things? Uh, obviously, the answer to that is to make money. I mean, that's why people do pretty much everything. And I'm, not that I have a problem with that. I, I mean, I do things <laughs> to make money, too. Um, but um, is there some sort of reason that we seem to see these kinds of things that are kind of specifically geared toward that that age group. I think that um, despite my conversation about, you know, the middle-aged lady, you know, reading it for escapism, I think that the book is definitely geared toward that younger demographic just based on the ages of the the main characters. Mm -hmm. So is there something socially, uh, or do you not want to speculate, uh, why this kind of, uh, um, why is the motivation there to write to this, this age group? Um, yeah, I mean, it's there... hard to say. I think we would need to interview the authors to, to find out more about that. You know, I suspect there is um, obviously a fascination within American society and culture with being young, uh, with being beautiful yeah. and young and wealthy. And so it's not surprising, at least when we're talking here about Fifty Shades of Grey, that that's sort of the uh, demographic that's upheld in the book and promoted. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also certainly, as females in society, uh, the pressure to be in a relationship, the pressure to find uh, you know, Mr. Perfect and Mr. Perfect who has money um, certainly fits, I think, with what E.L. James, the author of Fifty Shades of Grey, was trying to achieve in the book and would certainly appeal to women um, who align with that particular perspective. Well, sure. I mean, we all daydream about, you know, that. I'm dating myself now, but what was was the blonde, long-haired guy's name that was on the cover of all the romance novels? No, not Julio. That was a rap there. Um, Fabio. What 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 was his name? Fabio. Fabio, yes, yes. Certainly, (laughs) you know, we have all at different times in our lives pictured ourselves being, you know, um, Fabio'd. Um, mm-hmm. And then when we get older, we can we think about Mr. Cleaned. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> so, <laughs> same same difference, you know. I mean, same difference. We all have our little fantasies, you know. Um, every every teenage, you know, nerd with with acne pictures himself, uh, you know, being absolutely irresistible to you know J Lo or something. Um, so that's kind of human nature, you know, to fantasize and, and think about those kinds of things. But to me, and again, you can tell me I'm being overly um, suspicious here, but to me it's almost like a, a decided effort to um, bring these concepts to that particular demographic. 
and uh, maybe that old, the only motivation is money. They have a lot of money to spend, that group, age group. So I don't know, um, but I, I think it would be. Have you thought about interviewing the author and, and sharing your research with her? <laughs> we tried to Seriously. get an interview with her. We tried to get an interview actually with her um, after our last study last year, and at that time uh-huh. she was not taking interviews. Um, even for research, huh? That's interesting. Well, even for research, okay. and uh, it was actually MSNBC had uh, interviewed me, and I believe they tried to contact her as well for that. Oh, okay, okay, huh? Interesting. Okay, so basically, you've done two studies. Mm-hmm. Um, the first one uh, specifically covered what? So the first one um, analyzed the relationship in Fifty Shades of Grey. Uh, using a national definition of intimate partner violence or domestic violence. And that national definition came from the Centers for Disease Control, which is the nation's leading prevention institution on violence. Um, And what we showed in that, of course, was a problematic underlying pattern of abuse that mimics what we see in real-world abusive relationships. And uh, And then you did a follow-up. And we did a follow-up study. So we then um, approached women, surveyed them on an online survey to ask about their whether they'd read Fifty Shades and whether they experienced a number of health behaviors that are known to be associated with violence victimization. With, we assessed violence victimization and other risk factors known to be associated with violence victimization. Of course, we showed an association between having read Fifty Shades and the, the viol- uh, having a verbally abusive partner, a partner who stalked uh, the person, as well as some of the health risk behaviors that we assessed. Yeah. So, so and, and, really, yeah, and you guys weren't necessarily surprised by this. I mean, it seems to me that you probably hypothesized that that would be the case. Yeah, we were not surprised by this. I mean, there's a wide body of literature uh, noting associations between viewing violent television, for example, and antisocial behaviors and aggressive tendencies uh, done yeah. in children as well as adolescents. And then also uh, other, other empirical studies have shown, you know, having, an, ha- having read hypersexualized magazines like Cosmo, um, mm-hmm. you tend to be more obsessed with body image, so those, those associations there. And also number of studies have shown if you watch pornography, uh, you are much more likely to have violent attitudes toward women than if you are not watching pornography. So this certainly fits with that. It's just nobody had really done it with a popular fiction book. Yeah. Well, and the idea that, you know, I mean, most violent pornography is created by males, I I would assume. Um, And, you know, it's kind of the male fantasy, I would think. And here we're talking about the female fantasy. Mm -hmm. Um, So to me, that's what makes it kind of like, oh, Okay, this is this is newsworthy, <laughs> um, but maybe there's a whole world of you know female porn out there that I'm not familiar with, which would not be surprising. Um, join us, please, in our conversation. I'd like to know what you thought of the book. Whether you think that this is just making you know way too much out of it. Um, what? Tell us what you think. Phone number is six four six three seven eight zero four three zero. That's 646-378-0430. 
skin. I didn't have to put my glasses on to read it this time, Amy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know whether that says a testament to my eyes or my cognitive ability. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, so, okay, so we've got this book, and then it is so wildly popular. Uh, I mean, I think there's always been a market for this kind of literature, if you want to use that term, um, but so wildly popular. Um, that's surprising to me. Um, and again, it's that very young demographic, I think, that are making it so popular. Um, you're not surprised by this because of your research and your, your education, right? Mm-hmm. Surprised by its popularity? Yeah. No, not at all. I mean, especially because the author does a fantastic job of weaving in the uh, fantasy aspect of it as well as the romance and love mm-hmm. piece. And so, again, it kind of fits with what uh, feminine ideals are in society around that draw to be in a relationship, that push to be in a relationship, um, the romanticized love. Uh, so that's sort of the hook, and I think, in keeping women involved in the book. But, again, we would have to ask them directly what, what did keep them involved if they did like it. Um, yeah. Because I think sure. many, many women do also see the problematic abuse patterns that exist in the relationship. So I think reading the book um, from the perspective of what a healthy relationship is would make it very clear that this book has problematic abuse patterns in it. Um, yeah. So some with a distorted image of what a relationship should be. Uh, yeah. Uh, I know when I checked the book out of the library and I returned it and the librarian was there and we were talking I said I can't believe I read this book and she said I read it too what did you think and I said I actually found it boring after a while and she said I just kept thinking oh for God's sake leave the guy already Um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to sneeze here hold on (coughs) (coughs) sorry about that Okay. It's allergy season. Tansy Ragwort. Um, so when you chose to do your research, what was your, your sample size? How many people? So for this particular study, it was around six, it was 655 females, young, young women. Okay, which is, yeah, which is a, a fairly substantial um, mm-hmm. group size. Mm-hmm. Um, and what, what age were your, your researchers, your student assistants? Um, in the original analysis, they were in their early to mid twenties. So, mm-hmm. and in the second round, in the most recent study, we had a you know age range from uh, early twenties to late forties. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. was did you see within your research group different attitudes about the book based on their their demographics, their ages? Um, not necessarily because we're all sort of coming at it from a feminist lens um, and -hmm. looking at, as you were pointing out earlier, um, the power differential that exists in the relationship um, certainly violates uh, feminist standards of of, uh, equality in relationships for women and men. Mm -hmm. So we really, you know, while we come from a range of backgrounds, my background is in public health, uh, some of my researchers' backgrounds are in psychology, human development, uh, we still have that maintain that sort of consistent feminist lens in reading and doing the analysis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, were there any surprises when you did the, did your study? 
You know, there there were no surprises. So again, um, not surprised to find an association between reading Fifty Shades and having uh, violence victimization history. Not surprising uh, that we also found associations with disordered eating behaviors, as well as binge drinking and having a high number of sexual partners. Um, we have another analysis that we're, we're, that's currently under review, uh, where we looked at uh, traditional gender roles and the association with reading Fifty Shades and liking it or not liking it. So uh, I can't speak about the results of those studies yet because it's not out, but that will be coming out next. Yeah. Huh. Huh. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Because mm-hmm. um, there's a difference between, you know, having your little fantasy and reality. Um, mm-hmm. That is so interesting, you know, as as a, a, a feminist, um, you know, one of the one of the second wave of feminism here. Um, it surprises me that with so many options available mm-hmm. to people today, including young women, that we still have this fallback onto this. I mean, I think a, a fantasy from 50 years ago would have been the same. You know, rich, mm-hmm. handsome, falls mildly. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, we have made such strides in so many things, um, even though I think an argument can be made that we're slipping backwards in a lot of them. But still, you know, the the Gen, uh, the Gen Xers and the Millennials, they really don't know a world where a woman couldn't do something if she really wanted to or where a woman would be financially, totally financially dependent. And those were the norms 50, 60 years ago. So despite all of that, we still have, you know, huge numbers of women reading these books. Mm-hmm. Do you agree with me, and this I know this is just speculation, you didn't study this, but do you agree with me that probably the readers are female, that men would not probably be interested in this kind of a book? Well, it's certainly written for a female demographic. Um, it's it's funny because I used to teach a large sexuality class at Ohio State University before joining Michigan State. I was actually in Ohio, um, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I would ask, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> when I would ask my students, um, you know, how many of you have read Fifty Shades? And I said, come on, fess up, fess up. And, you know, usually I would have about a dozen males in class. And if they said they read Fifty Shades of Grey, they said they read it because their girlfriend and or wife and or female partner asked them to read it. (laughs) Ah, yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Well, what nice guys. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. To read it just because they're, yeah, yeah. Yeah. We have a caller here, and I'm going to go to um, him or her. Caller, are you with us? Yes. Yes, uh, hi. Do you want to give us your first well, you want my to give us your first name and where you're calling from? Hi, my name's Linda, and I'm calling from Arizona. Okay. And I hi, just wondered, Linda. Hi. I just wondered if there are plans to um, continue this uh, research in a, you know, in a, di- in the, either the same way or in different ways. Mm-hmm. That's a okay, great question. Amy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, that's a great question. So, yeah, so this study that we currently did looked at the relationship between Fifty Shades and violence victimization, uh, disordered eating, binge drinking. Our next study, which is actually currently under review, is looking at the relationship between reading Fifty Shades and having uh, identification with what we call uh, traditional gender roles, so the idea that males are are in control, females are subservient to men, um, and so... While I'm not allowed to reveal the, the 
the implications of those findings yet. That should be coming out in the next year. Okay. It, are, do you see doing this on a long-term basis, or does this, you know, uh, um, is, does this have a limited lifespan? This study, the, the the information that you can draw from this. Well, no. I mean, the other piece that we would really like to do is to um, do in-depth interviews with women. So this, the study that we're talking about today was an online survey, but we would yeah. like to sit down with women in, a, you know, in an in-depth conversation. So we've got an hour with them and ask yeah. them, what drew you to the book? What kept you engaged? What did you like about the book? What didn't you like about the books? Um, and if they did like the books, really what the draw was for them. So we've yeah. hypothesized a little bit about what that might be. It might be, you know, that love and romance and, and sense of fantasy that the author so effectively wove, wove in. No. And I would be interested, too, is, you know, I mean, does just, because some of it is sexy, you know, I mean, some of it's a little bit of a turn on. Um, mm-hmm. Is that what drew women to it? You know, the, the thought of having a little uh, bit of titillation in their life, you know, um, without. Absolutely. Even... I mean, yes, there's, there's uh, you know, obviously we've got some some erotica uh, and other types of BDSM uh, literature available. Um, this is, I think, one of the first books that really uh, encouraged women to openly express their sexuality in a publicly acceptable way. You know, we're sort of given a double message in society as females that we're supposed to be sexy, um, seductive, but at the same time show sexual restraint. And so this really yeah, kind of yeah. opened it up in, a, in, a, in an acceptable way for women. But at the same time... Yeah. We're arguing that it's entrapping them further because it's setting up a relationship ideal that's based on problematic abuse patterns. So, mm-hmm. like I said earlier, we think the erotica and the sexiness of the BDSM could have been achieved without the underlying abuse. And, in fact, the abuse itself, as represented in the book, goes against of what we know about um, egalitarian BDSM relationships. So... It's at odds. Okay, with. now say that in, in layman's terms. It goes again. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so in in, um, in negotiated BDSM relationships, the use of alcohol and other substances is that is a violation of consent. So usually there are agreed upon terms in sort of entering these BDSM relationships that both parties agree upon. We didn't see that in Fifty Shades. In fact, we see a violation, we see intimidation and coercion being used above and beyond the power dynamics that would be typically used in BDSM relationships, as well as the use of alcohol to coerce those activities in the female character. Yeah. If you're not familiar, if you haven't read the book, um, what we're talking about here is that um, the Christian really puts the pressure on um, the naive young thing who is, starts out as a virgin and uh, really puts the pressure on her to, uh, in order to have a relationship, she has to submit to this masochistic stuff that he has. So a lot of pressure, you know, a lot of pressure there for her. Um, we have another caller, Amy, if you don't mind. Sure. Okay. Hi, caller. Thanks for, for calling in, checking in with us. Hello, are you there? Well, I don't know what happened to our caller from the okay. 520 area code. <laughs> okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it, I found the whole phenomenon very interesting. And, and although I read the first one just to kind of know what everybody's talking about, and I saw also that, that power differential right away, 
um, I have absolutely no interest in reading the next two. Um, I mean, it's like, you know, talk about beating a dead horse, you know, I mean, really? (laughs) You know, I mean, really? We can get two more huge, you know, 500-page books out of this concept? Um, Do your studies expand to those others in the series? You know, um, they didn't. In fact, we had um, some people write and say, well, obviously you hadn't read all three books because in the end she falls in love with him. But actually, you know, just sort of um, taking a step back and thinking about what those two additional books represent, uh, the abuse patterns in them actually, from our perspective, worsen. Um, So the stalking tendencies worsen, the intimidation worsens. So if we were to analyze books two and three, sure, there might be still the elements of love woven in, um, but really highly problematic uh, types of manipulation being used. Yeah. And do you know what happens in the second two books? I know, uh, you know, spoiler alert, folks, if you're really interested, um, it does end up leaving him uh, at the end of book one. Um, But, uh, and, and, you know, and I have to give her props because, you know, the character at the end does develop a little bit of a um, spine um, and and says, no, this is not for me, um, and uh, does leave him, mm-hmm. even though he tries to pressure her to stay. I have mm-hmm. no idea. I mean, I'm assuming that because there are two two books following up that she must have gone back at some point, mm-hmm. um, in which well, case she I think re- she... Mm-hmm. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, no, she essentially returns to him at the beginning of the second book. The first chapter opens with a with a phone call and reconnection. So, which again is not unlike we, what we would see in in real world abusive relationships. Uh, on average, it takes women about eight attempts um, to leave an abusive relationship or exit an abusive relationship. And did you know that on average it takes a person uh, seven attempts to quit smoking? <laughs> I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I always just think, okay, that's just smoking. What about, you know, what, compare that to tearing up your entire life and future and hopes and dreams. Of course it would take a while. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But because uh, a lot of times people are very critical of a, of a victim. Why didn't she get out of there? What was wrong with her? Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, why don't you quit smoking on the first try, folks? <laughs> <laughs> Easier said than done, right? Well, plus um, the dynamics of domestic violence really are, I mean, the 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 most at risk that women are in an abusive relationship is when they do attempt to leave. That's when they're at risk of even more harsh violence as well as death. So yes. that's okay. like a critically, in fact, we, all, we tell advocates, we tell people don't, they, you know, just general advice is, uh, don't just because you know somebody in an abusive relationship encourage them to leave. Uh, really, a safety plan has to be in place and all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I, I, you know, I I do some lecturing on domestic violence issues, and a woman stopped me at a Home Depot of all places and uh, asked me some questions and said that her neighbor um, or her acquaintance, her friend, was in a, 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 a domestic violence situation and she won't leave. And I said, well, does the woman tell you why she doesn't want to leave? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the person talking to me said, well, and she said it with such a, a disdain. She said, oh, she thinks he's going to kill her. And I said, he quite possibly can. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that's <laughs> that's a very real fear. Um, mm-hmm. And I think this woman was kind of surprised 
that <laughs> I said that, but it is. It's an absolutely very real fear mm-hmm. uh, for women leaving violent relationships, and I think mm-hmm. a lot of times bystanders don't quite understand that. Exactly. On the other the, hand, the, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean the threats and the intimidation that that are used if you know if any kind of indication that a woman is leaving by the abuser is very high, uh, you know, as well as manipulation. Often what we see in domestic violence relationships are what we call the sympathy appeal. So the abuser will appeal to the victim's sympathy. You know, he'll say, I have mental health issues or, um, I, you know, sort of things that will draw her in to make her feel bad and will elicit yeah. a response of empathy. So it makes it really challenging um, yeah, and sort of weaving in the trauma that many women experience in domestic violence relationships. It's a challenging uh, dynamic. Well, sure, because, I mean, this is the person that you married, and, you know, it's um, a lot easier said than done to just say, okay, I'm done, I'm done with you, Um, Mm -hmm. because you are giving up all those hopes and dreams and history and, you know, all that other stuff that we all uh, romanticize and and uh, consider valuable you know, in our lives. So it's a tough thing. Join our conversation, please. It is 646-378-0430. That's 646-378-0430. Let us know what you think. Join our conversation. So getting back to the book, Fifty Shades of Grey, um, the woman obviously made a fortune, um, you know, with who authored these books. Uh, the movie will probably make a fortune because people want to go see what all the the fuss is about. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a huge financial motivation for these kinds of, of books and messages to be sent out there. Mm-hmm. What can be done to counteract those messages? I mean, most of the people who uh, read your study are not people who will be lining up to see the movie at the local cineplex. Mm-hmm. So, well, I mean, some some very sort of basic grassroots prevention strategies that we're suggesting um, that really children at a very young age, uh, through adolescence and, and young adulthood, should be taught to, should be taught to consume fiction, television, movies, magazines, and other mass media with a critical eye. And so that really requires uh, you know parents and educators uh, also knowing a bit about how to dissect these uh, media. Uh, representations with a critical critical eye as well. So we need to have better messages about healthy sexuality, healthy body image, uh, healthy gender role expectations, and these conversations really need to start as early as grade school. Um, There are some very effective school-based programs that are out there. Uh, Safe Dates is used with middle school students. It targets abuse prevention through relationship skills training. Um, And there's a highly effective program called Coaching Boys into Men, uh, which is a coach-based program. So we know that coaches have a very influential role in influencing how young men think, both on and off the field. And so we had the, one of the organizers from Coaching Men uh, in, or Boys into Men on our show last week, I think. Oh, great, um, great. Uh, talking about uh, the um, what appears to be high incidence of domestic violence in professional athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, so including Steubenville. Um, that the um, one of the boys in the Steubenville thing was sentenced to a year in jail. He's just gotten out, and he's back on, on his football team. Mm-hmm. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we have 
Yeah, we have uh, a lot of messages out there that um, male aggression is desirable. Mm -hmm. Do you see that message in this book as well? Well, certainly um, the book is constructed to prioritize Christian's sexuality and his sexual needs. So we talked about the power differential earlier in our conversation. So really when you look at the sexual patterns as well, the sexual interactions are all designed for, they're initiated by him. So they follow traditional gender role scripts. They're initiate, all the sex interactions are initiated by him. Um, her, her sexual pleasure is guided by him. Um, she's cast as a sexual apprentice and he's the expert. So it certainly yep. fits with societal scripts of, of how men are, are cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. He, he says, uh, willingly admits that he's had umpteen sex partners, all of whom were basically sexual slaves. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is a virgin when the book starts. Certainly mm-hmm. not when the book ends, but, you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'd say she's pretty much been through the ringer by the time the book ends. Um, but, yeah, that, that whole stereotype of, uh, you know, little virgin, and experienced wealthy man, uh, again, that whole power thing. And it made me uncomfortable. Um, you know, I didn't take the time to actually verbalize that this is a, a dangerous power differential, but it definitely made me uncomfortable in reading mm-hmm. the book. Mm-hmm. Um, so do you think, if, do you, I don't know if you have children, you don't even have to say whether you do or not, but would you uh, have your daughter read this book or allow her to read this book? Yes, I mean, yeah, no, no, again, we're certainly not suggesting that women not read the book uh, or that the book, you know, be banned. However, it's important for uh, you know, adolescent adolescent girls and women to understand that the health behaviors represented in the study uh, are problematic. The violence patterns in the in the book are problematic. So again, going back to that critical lens, using that um, to kind of uh, guide them through the book would be helpful. I think again, I, I've raised a couple kids, and um, my son. I remember when he was kind of little, I don't remember what age he was, but he went over to a friend's house, and when he came home, you could always tell, I mean, with kids, you can always tell because they have this little grin on their faces when they think that they've done something that you're way too, you know, way too naive to know, you know, what they just did. Mm-hmm. Um, and he came home from a friend's house, and he, his friend had Playboy. His friend's mm-hmm. older brother had Playboy. And mm-hmm. so definitely, um, you know, he was snickering because he saw Playboy and I finally got it out of, out to him out of him that you know the the boy's brother had ma- these magazines so I sat him down and I said well do you know that those magazines you know the women in those magazines don't really look like that they just mm-hmm. make them look like that you know mm-hmm. with airbrushing and stuff and he goes oh and, and and then I said yeah and I said and you know what else each one of those girls is somebody's sister because my son had a sister and mm-hmm. or uh uh, kid, you know, their child or what? Anyway, years later, my son said that I basically ruined pornography for him. You know, <laughs> I, he no longer was ever able to go down that road and find enjoyment in, in pornography. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's 
important to discuss. I don't think that I think it's impossible to keep your kids from reading something like that or seeing something like that, or mm-hmm. even just knowing what's going on. But I think it's crucial that we at least talk with them about it mm-hmm. um, absolutely. and explain yeah. our our points of view. Oh, absolutely. And as you mentioned, we're really surrounded by it um, when we look at television, movies, music. Um, and even if you think about uh, Rihanna and Eminem's uh, uh, Love the Way You Lie video uh, that came out mm-hmm. a few years ago, that's also a romantic, romanticization of violence against women. Um, sort of, yeah, hypersexualized representation of it. Well, I think the entire music industry, for the most part, um, mm-hmm does the same thing you know i mean it's certainly not hard to find music that is i find reprehensible in its treatment of women mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so um, right you know um, i'm surprised they haven't set 50 shades of gray to music at this point uh, <laughs> i'm sure <laughs> i'd probably be a really hot sell <laughs> well right you know i mean um anyway so what is is there an actual danger to literature like this? Mm-hmm. Well, the, is there really actually the danger, a danger? Mm-hmm. Well, the, really, the danger is the underlying context that books like Fifty Shades of Grey, like music videos, like Love the Way You Lie, set for uh, adolescents and young adults. Um, really, if there's a normalization and glamorization of violence against women that's sending out a certain context and a certain message about what's, what's appropriate in, in relationships. Uh, we know violence is not appropriate in relationships, but if that's what uh, adolescents and young, young adults are being exposed to, uh, it can make it difficult for them to recognize abuse in their own relationships when they're experiencing it. Yes, that's true. That's mm-hmm. true. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like you know, watching violence over and over and over again. You kind of get used to it. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. nobody blinks when they see blood and guts and whatever in the movies today. But I remember when it was, you know, you didn't really see that. They kind of covered it up. I mean, you'd be, I remember watching old Roy Roger things on TV when I was a kid. And you never saw any blood. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. they shot their guns, um, but you never saw anybody going down and, and you know, dying from it. Um, mm-hmm. Today, it's just common to see that. I mean, if somebody doesn't get shot a few times and if there's not, you know, blood and guts in a movie, there's something wrong with it. Um, Nobody (laughs) goes Mm -hmm. to see it. Um, So we just become more or less immune to any shock value in something like Mm -hmm. that. And so you're contending that uh, same kind of thing happens with these messages uh, that basically condone violence against women. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Complicated, complicated issues, because I'm sure there are people out there who are saying, oh, for heaven's sake, it's just a book. Just mm-hmm. a book. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just some woman's summer reading fantasy. Leave it Leave it be. Um, are we making too much out of this? I think that what you're saying is based on a pattern that we see, that you see. Uh, it's not making too much out of it. But, you know, are, are we just being overly sensitive to that? Mm-hmm. Well, our study certainly showed a relationship between between reading 50 sh- women who read Fifty Shades and a range of unhealthy behaviors and unhealthy health risks. So there's clear okay. empirical evidence there, and that like it certainly okay. corroborates what we see in other empirical literature, uh, noting associations between exposure to violence television 
and antisocial tendencies and aggressive behavior. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. So again, we can, um, we can argue, oh, it's only fiction, but at the same time, what our study is showing is something different. Yeah. Well, and, and proving a relationship doesn't prove causality. I exactly. mean, uh, I'm, I'm being devil's advocate here. Um, so, you know, it's like one of those old famous studies about women who smoke have, have uh, more wrinkles. Well, do women who have more tend to have more wrinkles tend to smoke more, or do cigarettes cause wrinkles? You know, I mean, there, there's no um, proof that there's causality that that reading this book contributes it. But common sense would tell us it has to. I mean, I, at least my common sense would say, you know, pretty much has to. Um, it's it's well, just our- so prevalent. Yeah, no, our study, we were actually very clear that um, we weren't not able to determine causality in the study. So it's possible, either way, we're arguing that uh, the relationship is inconsequential. So if women experience the adverse behaviors first, then reading Fifty Shades might reaffirm those experiences. And if they read Fifty Shades before experiencing the health behaviors assessed in our study, it's possible that the book could influence the onset of the behaviors by, again, creating that underlying context for the behaviors, the normalization of it. Just as yeah, you were saying yeah. earlier, I mean, watching television with uh, lots of violence, it, it normalizes it in, uh, for, for society. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it does. Um, how long do you think that, that you're going to continue doing uh, research on this particular topic, the Fifty Shades of Grey thing? <laughs> That's a good question. We'd like to, you know, we would like to interview women this year. So I know for this year we'll be working on some additional manuscripts and a few follow-up interviews with women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and w- your research, I assume, is published. Where where would it be published? Well, if somebody wanted to read the whole study. Uh, the study that we, we recently published this week is in the Journal of Women's yes. Health. Mm-hmm. Journal and of we've Mental got Health. Uh, the Journal of Women's Health. Oh, Journal of Women's Health, okay. Journal of Women's Health, right. Okay, yeah. And you can look that up in the library and uh, if you want to see more results of what they found. Um, you can actually I'm, find it online for free if you go to the Journal of Women's Health website. They're allowing six months of free access to the article. Oh, really? How nice. Mm-hmm. Do they often do that? Um they do for big articles like this. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, you know, University of Washington and uh, Group Health out here have been really instrumental in doing a lot of research on domestic violence issues. Um, so, and and a lot of that is available free online too. I think it's um, really really neat when the journals, especially the educational journals and professional journal journals, uh, allow free access uh, for anyone to see what they have published because just because you're not a, an academic or a professional in the field doesn't necessarily mean you're not interested in finding out what the research says. So a little little prop for uh, women's mental health, is it? Okay. Journal of Women's, Journal of yeah. women's Health. Mm-hmm. Journal of Women's Health, okay. Um, so we've kind of hashed this around. We've talked about um, what could be the danger in uh, two uh, perceptions um, in in reading this kind of material. Um, You had said, well, we certainly don't want the book banned, and of course nobody wants the book banned. You know, we have to just educate people to understand what they're reading. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know for myself, 
I mean, just because I read that doesn't mean that I'm going to allow behavior like that in my life. Um, but these things are so subtle. They're mm-hmm. just so subtle. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they really work on us, and they work on our um, mental health, I guess, is the, is the absolutely appropriate um, term, term and terminology. Mm-hmm. Um, if somebody um, wanted to participate in your study, is that a possibility? Do you, are you screening people, or do you just want to do random folks that you find? Yeah, no, we, we are not currently working. Uh, we're looking for subjects, but uh, typically you know, we're, that we're in a university setting, and we would likely be going to students at Michigan State University next. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. Approaching not going to go back to Ohio? <laughs> no. What's wrong with Ohio? <laughs> <laughs> right. I, I grew up in uh, northern Ohio right on, next to uh, Cedar Point. Okay. Which which I'm sure Amy knows, but probably no one else does. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, it's just a big amusement park up, up there. Um, and, gosh, what else, what else would you like to say? If I give you two minutes to say anything you want to say, um, what, 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 go, go for it. Well, I mean, what we what we found in our study is really an association between reading Fifty Shades and a range of problematic uh, health risks for women, including violence, victimization, eating disorders, uh, binge drinking, and having a high number of intercourse partners. And while we're not suggesting that Fifty Shades be banned or that women should not be free to read Fifty Shades, it's important that uh, young adolescent women uh, understand that the health behaviors we assessed are known risk factors for being in a violent relationship. And so really our message is that kids and adolescents and young adults be taught to consume fiction, television, movies, magazines with a critical eye. And parents and educators really, really uh, play a critical role in engaging kids in these constructive conversations about sexuality, body image, uh, healthy relationships, et cetera. Yeah. And maybe the next sequel that they they come out with should include – you know, what happens to Anastasia 40 years down the road. Yes, yes. <laughs> or even yes. 25 years down the road. Yes, um, yes. When she is um, living a life that she never thought she would live. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, okay. I think we've covered it. Amy, I really appreciate, uh, you know, you jumping in here at the last minute. And I didn't even, I'm so rude, I didn't even ask you if I could call you Amy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Bonomi, uh, Bonomi yep. um, and I hope it was okay that I just presumed to call you Amy. Um, we do a lot of topics like this on our um, show, Amy, and uh, I would hope that when you encounter people who are interested um, in your study that you could refer them to this show. It's available on the archive at the webpage, which is www.blogtalkradio.com slash women three ways, and those are the digit three. Um, so, um, you know, you're, it's available to hear over again. Caller that we disconnected with, I'm so sorry, and uh, would have loved to have hear, heard from you. Next week we're going to be having a show on bullying, not just school bullying, not just workplace bullying, but bullying in, and its relationship to interpersonal violence. And I have... Um, a little quote. I usually, Amy, try to end our show with a quote. And the quote that I found this week is actually not attributed to a, an individual author, but 
it is attributed to the Old Sage Bookshop in Prescott, Arizona. So if you're around there, and hopefully that bookshop is still here. Sometimes a cigar is just a cigar, but a book is never just a book. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was pertinent to today's topic. Amy, what do you think? I think that sounds great. (laughs) Yeah, a book is never just a book. So thank you for joining us again. Uh, Go to the archives to listen to the show again. Call us next week. Join in when we talk about bullying um, and its relationship to violence uh, against uh, um, other individuals and domestic violence. Enjoyed having you here, and we hope to see you next week. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for having me. Bye-bye. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.